0: Well, good morning. Morning, good morning. good morning. There we go. Okay, all right. So, you look like my church. You don't sound like my church, so I had to do that again. Uh, Welcome to One Sixteen Bible Church. Uh, I think I know almost every face out there, but just in case I'm missing you, my name is Sean. I'm the associate pastor here at One Sixteen Bible Church, Montaga, and I am happy and grateful and blessed beyond all belief to be worshiping and serving the one true living God with you today. Um, This is a beautiful, blessed opportunity that we have every week to come together, to gather under the banner of Christ, and to worship our God and push one another to holiness in Christ. Um, This is something we we should not spurn, we should not take for granted, we should not treat casually, this is something we should... Truly be grateful for. This is a blessing. God has called, God has not simply required that we do this. He has invited us in. This is a a blessed opportunity, and I am happy to get to do this with you today. Um, If you have your Bible, we are going to be continuing in our trek through the book of 1 Samuel. So, if you want to go ahead and turn in your copy or on your digital device, however you're reading your Bible. Uh, We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 14. We're going to be picking up in verse 24. 1 Samuel chapter 14, beginning in verse 24. And if you have found it and you are able, I do ask that you would please stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. Again, that is 1 Samuel chapter 14, beginning in verse 24. And the word of God says, And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand, and dipped it in the honeycomb, and put his hand to his mouth, and his countenance was brightened. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened, because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found, for now would there not have been a much greater slaughter? Among the Philistines. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and blessed beyond belief to have just read from your very word. So, God, we ask that this time together, as we seek to go through what we just read, would be a time of worship and a time of enlightenment as being led by your spirit father we pray that your spirit would illuminate the message would illuminate the passage and would illuminate our hearts not simply so that we may understand but that may we that we may understand and do that which you have for your people to know and to do We ask all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so real quick, we're going to do a little review over uh, what's happened um, immediately prior to this, and then we're going to, uh, and then we're going to go through the passage verse by verse as I am wont to do. Uh, So real quick, uh, leading up to this, as um, brothers Ivan and uh, Jeff preached previously. Um, in chapter 14, um, let's back up a little more. So, <clears throat> we are with the Israelites, right? We're, we're with the people of Israel. Um, the people of Israel, uh, have previously, um, after having been led by judges and priests who, uh, many of whom were, <laughs> many the priests of whom were, um, selfish and apt for only what they could get, um. To be fair, um, they have they have gone to God, gone to Samuel, and asked for a king. And uh, the Bible is very explicit in what that meant. God wasn't, God didn't didn't have the king for them yet, um, but they came asking for a king. The Bible explicitly says they reject they were rejecting God as their king and putting in a human to be like the nations around them. And then, so God God told Samuel, Do it, I'll show you the guy. Um, So that's what happens. Uh, God picks out a man by the name of Saul, uh, and he is anointed as king. Um, We get a little bit of the kind of guy Saul is. Um, Prior to this, he's. not the brightest bulb in the shed, if you know what I'm saying. Um, he, uh, he chose some, he did some behavior that really led us to believe this guy may not be leadership material, but this, is, this was the guy. Because he fit his real qualifications right. He was tall, he was good looking, fit that suit of armor. Um, and so he, he just made a great portrait of a guy leading the troops into battle. So that's the guy God gave them. And then we see from there that Saul's reign, not everything is terrible. He does he does some things. He, he, is, he seems to be pretty uh, adept at, uh, at leading the troops into battle um, and winning victories. Uh, however, all his victories come by the hand of God, and he uh, on occasion disobeys God or forgets to give God the glory. Um, and in this particular uh, episode, uh, Jonathan, Saul's son, and his armor bearer uh, go on a self-appointed black ops mission into uh, Philistine territory where they uh, handle business, uh, to, to be quite, quite upfront about it. They, they take care of business so much so uh, that it causes a great commotion in the Philistine camp. They're all confused. They're like, what's happening? We have no idea what's going on. Um, and then uh, this is all unbeknownst to Saul Saul sees what's going on he's like well who's not here takes a census discovers it's Jonathan and his armor bearer missing Um, so they go into um, help I guess you could say Uh, and then there is a uh, there is a victory uh, as we see in verse 23 the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. They are pushed back from uh, from central Israel territory out um, to an area known as Beth-Avon. But that brings us to our passage today where we see, we see Saul being Saul and uh, what it looks like when uh, the people ask for a leader for the wrong reasons. So starting in verse 24, And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So here we have Saul, who, one of the few things in leadership he is great at seems to be leading the charge against Israel's enemies. And here we see him do something very not smart. When you are fighting a battle, when you are go when you are at war with an enemy, and what is it that he does? He places his people under an oath. And the oath isn't something of a swearing of allegiance. It's not something, um, it's not simply a weeding out of those who are faithful versus those who are unfaithful. He places them under a strict oath not to eat until the battle is over. I spent a little time in the military. That is just dumb. That is absolutely stupid. Um, If there's one thing your troops who are hard at fight need, it is the opportunity to provide for their physical needs and rejuvenate themselves physically. But Saul here is more worried about his pride and his ego than he is about his people. Saul here is more worried about his own name than the name by which his people are called. In fact, how we know this oath is foolish if it's not obvious at first blush is that this phrase that's used in my Bible as translate had placed the people under oath, it's related to another phrase in Hebrew that can be translated, play the fool. So you could, in a sense, read this passage. Saul played the fool, saying, cursed is the man who eats any food until evening. This is the Bible letting us know that what Saul was doing was not guided by wisdom, but was instead guided by foolishness. And so he places his people under this oath. And he even tries to put his own name on the battle. By saying, before I had taken vengeance on my enemies. He has elevated himself above the people. Not, and says not before God has taken vengeance on his enemies, but before I, Saul, have taken vengeance on my enemies. I think we talked in Sunday school a little bit about somebody else who, in church history, who may have uh, done something different. That individual was called the Pope, uh, who also, because of the time and tradition that a, that a full, that has a, um, attributed power and primacy to to him, often stands in the place of Christ. But that's what Saul's doing here. He has elevated himself above his people and has placed himself in between his people and God. And what did this result in? None of the people tasted food. These men are fighting a war on empty stomachs. And yes, the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to Bethlehem. But the victory could have been so much more glorious had the people been fed. Friends, that is what church, the gathering of the saints, is for. We come together so that we can be fed. We don't simply eat on Sunday. But we come together to be fed so that we may go out and fight the battle. The battle that rages every single day. And it is a poor minister who neglects to feed his people. We have, we are within a stone's throw of far too many people who call themselves pastors who instead of feeding God's people what they need, giving them the food that they require rather than giving them the very bread of life, instead spends his time on Sundays telling them things that make them comfortable in their sin as they ride it to hell. Saul was not being a good minister. Saul was not being a good leader. And his people suffered. Verse 25, Now all the people of the land came to a forest And there was honey on the ground. If you want to go back a little further in Israel's history, we see that before God brings them into the promised land, the land is described as a land flowing with milk and honey. And now we're seeing quite literally honey flowing on the ground. But instead of this being a blessing to God's people, it is a torment. It is a taunt. Because they can't have it by decree of their leader. As the Bible describes later, their blessing has become a curse. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, Because Israel rejected God and asked for a king. For the wrong king. There are in many ways, this is what they brought on themselves. They had been warned. They had been cautioned. They had been beforehand told that a king will take from you more than he gives. And now we're seeing that happen. This is what happens when God's people reject God and instead put something or someone else in God's place, even yourself, even myself. When we raise up ourselves to the position of God in our own lives, we have been warned beforehand you will take much more than you will give. you will lose far more than you will ever gain. And we see this here God's people chose, chose someone else a man to lead them instead of God. And now that man is doing exactly what God told the people to do. He has turned their blessings into curses. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. My friend, I don't know if you're aware of this, but pretty much anybody put in the position of God besides God is going to cause in the people nothing but fear. Because the individual who's put in God's place instead of God is going to demand that which is unwise. He's going to command that which is unfair. He's going to command that which is undeserving and unworthy of the position he holds. Because only God, in his infinite and inscrutable wisdom, knows how to give good gifts perfectly. Only God knows how to do that. So when we follow somebody else as if they are God, even when we follow ourselves in our own selfish, stupid, sinful desires as if they are God. Even though they're going to say all the right things, even though we think we're going to get exactly what we want, we are going to lose so much more. And what we do get will come at a price that is not worth This is something we as God's people even struggle with today, don't you think? We often even want good things. We want them in the wrong way. Or we want them too much and the desire itself becomes our God. And instead of chasing hard after God, by, the, by His Spirit that He grants His people, we instead chase hard after these other things at any cost. Sometimes we get it, right? Sometimes we get it. But then we look back and we see how much it truly cost us. Saul doesn't know it, but that's the position he's walking himself into. We didn't cover it in our passage today, and we won't cover it in our passage today. But this oath is going to turn around to almost biting. It's almost going to cost him his son. But he is so blinded by his ego, by his own pride, He is so drunk on the position that he has been granted by God that he almost throws it all away. I think I can be honest with you and say, that's been me. That's been me on far too many occasions. That's been been me, even when I am convinced that I'm doing God's will. I should say, that's been me, especially when I've convinced myself that I'm doing God's will. But instead, I am ignoring the weightier matters of the law. at the expense of things that I think are more important. Verse 27, But Jonathan had not heard his father's charge, the people with the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his countenance was brightened. Your translation, if it's a little older, may say his eyes were brightened. Um your translation may say his countenance was lifted. Uh, or if you have a newer translation, it may say um he was rejuvenated. Or I think I read one that said he was re energized. Um, the idea here being uh he didn't he didn't feel bad. He was he was restored a little bit. And that is the blessing of the promise, right? That is what God is giving to his people when he brings them into this land flowing with milk and honey. He says, it's for you to eat and restore yourselves so that you don't have to kill yourselves trying to harvest the land that's fighting against you but because this people have have been cursed under this foolish oath by this man they so desperately desired to have rule over them. They can't touch it. God's word is for God's people. And when we go to it, we are we are, we are confronted with our own sinfulness. We are shown just how much farther along we have to go on the path of sanctification. But we are also comforted and consoled and encouraged. To press on because we know the one who has provided the way. And when it is withheld from the people, they don't grow stronger. They grow weaker. They grow faint. Because this is the bread that the disciples knew not of. This is the very word of God that proceeds from his mouth that keeps us going. sister, is what you hold in your hands. That is what is resting on your lap. That is what is coming to you directly from your electronic device. It's the Word of God. And in it contains everything we as the people of God need for this hard struggling battle that we fight every single day. And brother and sister, if you are not nourishing yourself with the word, then I encourage you to start eating. Take up and eat. Because you need it. Because the war doesn't stop. And it won't stop until you are called home or home is brought to you. And let me say, even more importantly, if you are attending a church, if you belong to a church where what they feed you is not the word get out run run fast because if they're not giving you the word they're giving you something that is not going to fill it is not going to sustain you and eventually you will grow weary and faint That is my encouragement to you, but Jonathan, who had not heard his father's charge, had not heard his father's oath, ate. He took some honey and he ate. He didn't do anything bad, but he took and he ate. He ate of the promise of God present in the honey flowing from him. And now we're seeing, if we didn't see it already, we're seeing it now very clear parallel to a previous judge and his rash vow that cost that cost him his daughter. We see in the book of Judges a man by the name of Jephthah who made a rash, a very rash vow to God saying, I will sacrifice to you the first thing that comes out of my house to greet me. And when he gets home from the battle, the first thing that comes out to greet him is his kid. He made a rash vow that cost him his daughter, and now we're seeing another rash vow costing the king, potentially his son. This is what rash vows do. When we make a vow to God, and we see those all throughout Scripture, when we make a vow to God, it should be done in wisdom. Vows made to the Lord should be done in wisdom and with much consideration rather than in haste and desperation. Because the cost of your rash vow might be more than you can handle. It might cost you more than you ever thought it would. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day, and the people were fed. So after that, Jonathan... Is told of the oath that his father put on the people. Now, you figure somebody would have mentioned that beforehand? But they didn't. Somebody waited until after Jonathan started eating. And rather, and just, oh, by the way, your dad's going to kill anybody who eats. Thanks, man. Could have used that heads up a while ago. that's what happens and so Jonathan is told after the fact about this curse this the curse of this oath and this is probably my favorite thing but Jonathan said my father has troubled the land now this phrase troubled the land we see in a couple of other places so we can I think rightly compare the passage to those passages one of them is uh, the previously mentioned passage where Jephthah makes that vow to God to sacrifice the first thing that greets him when he gets home. And then it winds up being his daughter, and he tells his daughter how she has troubled him with this. And to put it a little more starkly into contrast, we see where. Uh, in the book of Judges, where the Israelites are warned not to take any of the plunder uh, from the battle of Jericho. And Achan does. A man by the name of Achan. And the Bible says he brought trouble on the land. Jonathan is comparing his father's foolish vow this foolish oath that he places on the people to a curse, a trouble on the entire people of Israel from a man who was disobedient. Jonathan is calling his father disobedient. We're seeing here a a distinction, a very sharp distinction between the man Israel wanted to lead them and his son, who was showing true leadership potential, according to God's will. And Jonathan is saying, "My father has troubled the land. My father has, my father who has declared this curse on the people who disobey him, has himself brought the curse." Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. Jonathan's saying, "Look look at me. I didn't stop and eat. I didn't sit down and have a full meal. Walking by, scooped up a little honey, put it in my mouth. I'm already feeling better. Because that's what the people of God need. That's what this people, that's what every single one of us in this room today who call ourselves Christians needs. Just a little bit of God's word and we will have enough to keep going. Our countenance will be brightened and the more we eat, the more our countenance is brightened. Friends and family, I'm encouraging you not to neglect the reading of God's Word. I'm encouraging you not to simply stop at reading. I'm encouraging you to study God's Word. I'm encouraging you to spend so much time in the Word of God that when your pastor or a preacher that you listen to or that you happen to overhear, when somebody says something, that does not line up with the Word of God, you know it because that is what you are filled with. That's my encouragement to you. We should be Bereans. We should be hungry for the Word and know it well enough and study it enough to know when something is right, when something is wrong, and most dangerously, when something is close. And I promise you, yes, there will be some short term pain to your exposure to God's Word. God's Word is a light that shines in the lives and the hearts of men and women, revealing to us the darkness that hides in every corner. how in the world are we ever going to be made holy as he is holy if the light never shines in there to root out the darkness? How much better, Jonathan continues, if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found. How much better if the people had eaten freely of the spoil of which they found. For now would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. Jonathan is clearly in it to win it. He wants to win this war. He wants to free the people of Israel from the the oppressive Philistines. But he knows it is; it cannot be done if God's people are not taken care of. So that is my big, my big encouragement to you today, brothers and sisters. Feed yourself. Feed yourself of the promises of God contained only in his word. And know it well enough to know when what you're being fed from the pulpit is true or it's counterfeit. And if it is counterfeit, if the man who stands in the pulpit is there to tell you something that is not from God, go find a church with a pastor who preaches the truth, Because otherwise just like a child will fill up on the sweetness of the lies and be too full for the meat of the word. I love you guys. You are my family. I care about you. And even more than I want good for you I want God for you. And whatever God's will is for your life, you will never know it unless you spend your time in what he has already revealed. So fill up on the meat so when the sweetness of the lies comes, you can identify it and you can turn it away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for this blessed time you have given us. We thank you for the meat of your word. We thank you that it provides for your people what we need to fight the battle every day. And God, we pray that as we gather together, as we go home our own separate ways, Lord, we pray that what we are filling up on is the meat of the word. God and not some ridiculous counterfeit, even the ones that smell good and look right. We pray that we that your spirit would so fill us with your word that the lies are obvious and their aroma repulsive. And Lord, we pray that we as a church would always be a church, would always be a people who prepare, who serve, and who consume the word together. Father, so that We are not simply succumbing to the lies of the enemy and being filled with nonsense and sweetness that will do nothing but cause us to grow weary and faint. Preserve your people that we may persevere in the truth. Your word is truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, sir.